and uh, we'll get there in just a moment. But before I, I really dive into this word about devotion, I just wanted to share a little bit of my story. Um, just as we were here this morning, uh, I just want to say I love your church. Uh, this is just such a wonderful little spot, and we got to just come in and spend some time this morning driving through the town and coming to be with you. And it's just a wonderful place, and we just are absolutely in love with your church here and uh, your leaders, and we are continuing to pray with you as the Lord leads you and guides you for a new pastor to accept the call to come and be here in Overton, uh, and uh, we are hearing about the rodeo that comes sometimes, and I want to come back for the rodeo now, because um, that sounds cool, um, <laughs> uh, so I don't get to go to many rodeos in my day. Um, I grew up in Southern California, uh, and uh, I was invited to church as a freshman in high school school with an invitation and some free pizza. And so I showed up at church and uh, I got saved uh, is the short version. Um, I was one of those students that I got saved every week at the altar in our youth ministry um, and rededicated my life because I knew that I was just messing it up and I was trying to do this thing right called following Jesus. And so I was down there every week. I really helped those numbers out for that youth pastor when he was saying how many people got saved this week. You had a one faithful one uh, that I was there every week. And so I was a freshman in high school uh, that I really first encountered the Lord and said, Lord, I, I want to do this thing. And so I started getting involved in my church. When I wasn't at school, I was probably at the church. There were some other layers there for me. Um, my parents had divorced. I lived with my mother, and I kind of had a difficult relationship with her, so I liked being out of the house whenever I could, too. Um, just thankfully, the Lord brought me to church for those moments. And so um, I was on the worship team and the drama team and all these things. I actually got onto the worship team because I lied about playing the bass. Um, I said that I knew how to play the bass. That wasn't completely true. I played it one time at my friend's house, and I knew where the G chord was. Um, And so... I uh, showed up for the first worship practice, and there was a guy there named Eric, and I was like, hey, I'm just kind of a little rusty. Um, it's been a while. Uh, would you mind just giving me a quick, you know, like, just show me some things real quick? And so he showed me A through G on the bass, and uh, I was on a worship team from then on for several years. Um, and so uh, I just wanted to do everything I could to just learn what it meant to serve the Lord. And um, as a, that young man, they got saved, uh, a friend of mine, I got to start bringing it with me when I travel because I have it so. But a friend of mine gave me my first Bible. Um, and it was a blue New King James Bible. Had my name inscribed on it. It says Darren Fisher. Has a little fish on it because back then my friends called me fish because of my last name. And I just started to open up this book and read God's word for myself. And I just encountered a truth as I read through the New Testament that really impacted my life. Um, And it wasn't necessarily because of sermons I was hearing, although I was being poured into in my local church, but I started to read his word, and I really just decided, what if I try to live like that? What if I try to live this way that Jesus talks about through the Gospels, and give this whole thing a shot, and really do it? And so that's what I began the journey of as a freshman in high school. Um, Up to that moment, uh, I really just wanted to make a lot of money, pursue business, do well for myself. Uh, I remember reading in a magazine uh, in my shop class as a freshman that the average CEO made $7.8 million at the time, and I thought, well, I could be much below average and still be doing pretty well for myself. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and go for that one. Um, And so I was just on that path, and maybe like me, you've been in that place where you've been serving the Lord, and you have dreams and hopes and aspirations, and um, you often pray, Lord, help me achieve these things. Lord, I want to do them. In fact, my heart was in a place where, Lord, I want to do it for you. 
um, and I want to pursue these things. Yet I began to realize in that journey that I had still purposed my own life for myself with the Lord helping me. And as a couple years later, as a junior in high school, I had a different encounter with the Lord. And at this particular service, um, for whatever reason, I just happened to sit in a different place in the room. Um, For those of you that have been coming to church for a while, you probably understand that, right? You have a place you like to sit in the room normally, right? It's comfortable, it's familiar. Um, And for whatever reason, I sat in a different spot. I brought some friends to church with me that night. So instead of the front left side, which that was my normal zone, second row typically, um, I sat in the back right side that night. I don't know why I remember that. I just do. But that night we took communion at the youth group. And I remember holding the communion elements in my hand and I prayed a different prayer that night. I said, Lord, this is my covenant with you. Wherever you send me, I will go. Whatever you ask me to say, I will say. Whatever you ask me to do, I will do. This is my covenant with you. And I took communion that night as a 16-year-old in high school. And I took that moment very seriously, and I believe the Lord did also. And so it was at that moment in my life that Jesus truly became the Lord of my life. Um, And not just someone who I admired, someone that I wanted to be like. Genuinely, I laid my own life down to say, Lord, what now would you have me do? And so I began to pray differently as a young man. I no longer was saying, Lord, I want to go be a CEO and be rich. I prayed, Lord, what would you like me to do? What do you want me to do, God? When it came to the pursuit of education and college and those things, I did pretty well academically through school, and so I had a lot of opportunities ahead of me for a college education. And so I remember praying, Lord, what would you you have me do? Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And it was in that journey, in that season, that I was called to ministry. The Lord spoke clearly to me, I want you to become a youth pastor. Um, I remember that I going home and calling my father on the phone, I shared with him that I was going to become a pastor and work with students, and that journey, and my father responded to me by saying, um, okay, but uh, I don't know why you'd want to waste your life. You'll never be able to provide for yourself or ever take care of things. I remember being a 16-year-old kid, and I told my dad, I said, well, Dad, I guess the Lord will just take care of that part, but I'm going to go ahead and do this. And I did, and the Lord's been faithful to me of the ministry that I'm in. Yet, back then, people couldn't understand why I would live a life this way. People couldn't understand why I would choose for the last eight years of my life to live in host homes, serving in missions, um, going to a world shutdown, um, and all of these things. But why would I live my life the way I have? Well, because Jesus became the Lord of my life. I share that with you today because that's just some of my story. And my story, at least in my own way, I think reflects the heart of what I want to share with you today about the devoted life, about a character of devotion unto the Lord that leads to us choosing to live for him, not us to live with him, but for him. And so I want to read this passage to you this morning from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, and then just unpack some thoughts about it with you. It says this, Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, 
those who are being saved. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this day that you have given us. Lord, I thank you for your sons and daughters here in this room at New Hope in Overton. Lord, I thank you that you've allowed us to come together to hear from you what it is that you would speak to us today. Lord, this morning as we open up your word, and I pray that these words would sink deep into our hearts, and that, Father, you would speak to us exactly what you want us to hear about devotion to you. Lord, before we get into this word today, we just pause to pray for those around this world who call you, Lord, that are struggling today. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Lord, that you would be with them today in the midst of the turmoil going on in that country. Lord, we pray for those suffering through the fires in Northern California that are devastating so many. Father, we pray for your continued protection upon those homes and those families and those places. And Lord, we pray for all those around this world facing so much, those impacted by the earthquake in Haiti. Lord, every other thing that's going on that we may not even fully be aware of. But you are, O oh God. And so we partner today with you to intercede on behalf of those who cannot. We pray, Lord, that you would be revealed to your children all over this planet and that they would encounter you in a real way. And Lord, I pray today that as we leave this place, that you would inspire us, speak to us, lead us, so that we may represent you in such a way that others would draw near to you. So Lord, we give you ourselves one more time and ask that you would meet us here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but one of the things that I really enjoy doing is watching the Food Network. Um, does anyone in here like watching the Food Network? I know some of you were just like, whoa, he was praying real deep, and then he said Food Network. Who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm sorry. There's two things that I love in my life. Sorry, I'm sorry. Babe, three. I know, I'm sorry. I just got married in February. Okay, I'm sorry. There's three things. I do this every time. There's three things. Um, one is the Lord. Two is my wife. And three is food. Um, she uh, wonders whether she's two or three sometimes. I'm working on that in my heart. Um, and so, yeah, babe, you're number two. Gotcha. Um, so there's three things I really love in my life. Whew, that was close, man. Um, by the way, if you're joining us online, welcome uh, to New Hope Overton. Forgot to greet you. Uh, glad you guys are with us today. Um, so one thing I really enjoy, so like I said, those things, I'm gonna, if you hang out with me long enough, I'm going to talk about Jesus, and I'm going to talk about food, and I'm probably going to talk about my wife. Those are the three things I'm going to talk about. Um, and so, but we really enjoy watching the Food Network, and maybe you do too. Um, sometimes I'm eating food and watching the Food Network and thinking about the next thing I want to eat while I'm eating. And so uh, it just it gets to me. Um, but one of the things that I think is so incredible when I watch these shows on the Food Network is the craft of these people. It's just truly phenomenal. And I like to think that I can cook some things. But if I'm honest with you, I am not devoted to that craft. Um, I love watching the baking shows. Any of you guys like those? The British baking show or the cake-off things and all this stuff? Um, I am such a fan of the beautiful cakes that they make. In fact, such a fan, I brought some pictures for you today of some beautiful cakes, okay? And I apologize, I know lunch is coming. Oh man, look at that cake, that looks so good. Um, and I wanted to show these to you because um, I could go home and try to make you a cake today. You can feel free just to kind of flip through some of those. I'll get distracted ADD style. Oh yeah, okay, great, praise God. Um, and so, 
you, you, I would be able to go home and make a cake for you, and I could, I could get some frosting, and I could put some frosting on there, and I could do it, and it might taste good, but it is not going to look like this kind of stuff. And the reason is, is the people that have created these pastries, these kind of cakes, they are devoted to their craft. They've given over time and effort and energy to being great at what they do. And they're able to produce something that when you see it, you want to have it. (laughs) You go, wow, that cake looks good. And have you ever done it before? Here's the thing. We're looking at these pictures, and these might look so good, but they might taste real bad. right? You ever had that moment? You see it, and you're like, oh, this is going to be the one. And you get it, and you go, oh, man, I wish I didn't get that one. (laughs) That's not so good. right? But it looks so beautiful. Their artistry is great. And in fact, we watched a show recently called Buddy vs. Duff. These two cake guys, and um, they have, have this show, I guess, it's a, kind of a little series where they're competing against each other. And one of their things was to make hyper-realistic stuff. And this cake artist and his team um, got together, and they started making things. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. <laughs> that's the one right there. Yeah. Um, and they actually created a whole produce stand that had apples and cucumbers and loaves of bread and egg salad sandwiches. And you guys, I wish I had the picture, and I'm sorry I don't, but it looked like all of those things, genuinely, as you stood back and looked. They were real. Every single thing on it was cake. It was incredible to me that they could produce such a thing. And the only reason that's possible is through devotion. And I wanted you to see some of these pictures. I wanted you to hopefully grasp this imagery with me. That's the one right there. See? Man, I like that one. I wanted to share that with you because today we're sharing about what it means to be devoted. And it's actually really profound to me how easily we can be devoted to so many other things before we choose to have that kind of devotion to Christ and to serving him, and building his kingdom. And and as we read in Acts chapter 2, the first thing that it says in verse 42 is that they were devoted. They devoted themselves to these things. And so today I want to share with you some thoughts about what it truly means to be devoted. Um, Devotion, like I had mentioned, it really is defined as to give over or direct time, money, effort, energy, any of those things to a cause, enterprise, or activity. Maybe you have some of those things that you're truly devoted to. Many do. Um, and right now, Vanetta, her, her devotion is to a puppy. And so staying up all night, taking care of this, we have things that we choose to be devoted to. But it's profound that we have a choice to do those things. Now, granted, some things I'm just not good at. And I wish I could be. And there's a part of me in my head that thinks I could be the best at anything that I wanted to do. I know that that's not true, but part of me really thinks I could, right? Like I see a gymnast and I'm like, I could be the best gymnast if I wanted to. No, I definitely couldn't. I'm just not flexible. I couldn't do that. doesn't matter how hard I trained, how devoted I became, I would not be the best gymnast in the world. Um, And what I actually enjoy about that is that the Lord has gifted us in so many different ways to almost usher us towards these things that he's really created us well for and brings us into those spots. And I'm thankful for those who are wonderful and gifted in creating cakes and pastries. And I'm glad that I can receive and enjoy those things. But I'm thankful for every person who's choosing to serve the Lord in whatever gift or capacity he's given you. And today I want to share some of these thoughts about this devotion. Because for some, devotion can even look like obsession or addiction. Yet it's different. 
Devotion is not those things. For the devoted, there is nothing else they desire more. Jesus said it like this, No servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So before we dive more into devotion itself, I want to share this kind of core trait with you regarding what it means to be devoted. As you read through the book of Acts, you find yourself in an environment where the Holy Spirit is capable of birthing new life, of bringing new things into reality. This environment of the early believers where they are prepared and ready for whatever the Lord would ask of them. Their hearts are just stirred. They're, they're in waiting. They're just committed themselves. There's nothing else that they're really doing. They're together in this pursuit saying, Lord, we're here for you and we're ready to go. Um, I think of people right now, I mean, the California firefighters. They're, they're out and we have these fires that are devastating right now in Northern California. And I think of the firefighters that all year round have sat in waiting to be ready to go in a moment's notice as soon as the bell rings. And I think of us as the Lord's children, as disciples, as followers of Christ, in a similar way sometimes. That we wait, we're in that waiting place that we are ready, we're prepared. Why would I do that? Because I'm devoted to that reality. That Lord, whenever you call. As we sang one of the songs today, I thought of that, like I'll be here waiting for you, like a bride waiting for the groom. What a beautiful thought of always being ready and waiting. It's a beautiful thought. And so Peter is speaking, and I don't have, these verses aren't on the screen, but if you go back to chapter 2, you actually find this moment where Peter begins to address the crowd. And there, there's this environment, and he preaches this incredible sermon to them. In fact, if you've ever wondered, if you thought, Darren, I don't ever want to have to preach, I don't want to have to do anything, I'm just saying, there's a really cool pre-written sermon in Acts 2. You can flip there if you ever need it in a pinch, okay? Um, people are going to be offended if you read it, but it's a great sermon, okay? And it really ministered to people in this moment. And we find ourselves in verse 36 of chapter 2. I'm just going to read this to you because I want you to capture this piece here. Um, and this is the response of the people to what they have just heard as Peter shared. Start in verse 36, he says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself and with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying save yourselves from this crooked generation Verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. I would like to share with you today that one of the core traits of those who are devoted is that the devoted repent. The devoted repent. Peter's invitation to the people that day was get in on it. Don't miss out on this opportunity. And repentance doesn't mean to feel bad enough for long enough until you feel okay about being okay. 
It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean to feel bad enough for long enough until you feel okay about being okay. And I know that in some way, we've all probably experienced that before, where we just have got to the place that we feel bad about something. We just, we, we hold on to it. We don't move on from it. Repentance is a literal act of turning away from something and choosing to walk in newness of life ahead of it. It's not just a momentary thing. It's a consistent choice that we make. And I would propose to you today that the devoted choose to repent. It's a core trait of the devoted that follow Christ. We choose to repent every single day, every moment. I'm consistently having to turn away from these other things to walk ahead towards Christ. And I'd like to share with you today that the forgiveness that Christ bore upon the cross for us, the sacrifice that he made, was something that was done for you and I. You are forgiven because of Christ's sacrifice. Yet so often we choose to not walk in this reality of the forgiveness. And we hold on to those things. Yet the devoted choose to repent. To turn away and live a new way in light of a new reality. In the book of Acts, what's new there? Well, the Holy Spirit's come. They're experiencing all kind of newness in this reality. There's a lot going on. Repentance is not a one and done. It's the ongoing act. It's the ongoing repentance. It's something that we choose. And at least in my life, I would not be able to serve the Lord the way I have if I haven't continually chosen a life of repentance. And please know, I'm not saying that I'm out doing terrible sinning things all the time. Yet sometimes I get stuck in the old things. I get stuck in a past mistake. I work in a stressful environment many times. I work with a lot of different folks. Some days I, come, I leave from the office and I'm just burdened with some things. And I have to choose to not live in the burden of those that are not mine to carry and choose to walk in the fullness of who I am in Christ. And that is a long journey sometimes from my office to home so that my wife doesn't have to bear those burdens too. Yet it's a choice that we choose to make, to lay that burden, to turn towards Christ. What's so profound about this moment for the Bible scholars in the room, this is actually incredibly cool to me, is that on that day, 3,000 were added to the number. And I love this because if you flip way back in your Bible to a moment at Mount Sinai with Moses, he comes down with the new covenant, and you may recall this moment. Some people had made some poor choices because they didn't think he was showing back up, and they were worshiping a golden calf, and Aaron said, I don't know how it happened. It just showed up here. Like they put some gold in the fire, and it just showed up. That's not how that works. Um, But what happens that day, if you recall, is that there were 3,000 who lost their lives that day. And here, so many years later, on this day, as Peter preaches, the day of Pentecost, there's 3,000 who were brought back into the fold with Christ. God does not waste his work. There is always redemption. And hundreds of years later, we find redemption in this moment too, where now the 3,000 that were lost are back. And it's profound to see that God does not waste his obedience of his children. And so repentance is more powerful than we can truly understand sometimes. The 3,000 that repented that day probably did not realize that they were walking in a fulfillment of what God was seeking to do, to redeem something that was lost. And so Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And I'd like to share with you this morning four thoughts regarding Acts 2.42. 
Um, one of the things I enjoy in my life, I, I enjoy classical music and symphonies and wonderful classical singing and those things. Um, I also enjoy techno music, so I'm a weird person. I got like spans of things. Um, but uh, there is a, a famous tenor that you may know their name, Luciano Pavarotti. And they were asked once about their craft and the ability they had. And he said this, people think I'm disciplined. It's not discipline, it is devotion. There is a great difference. I think that love is one of the greatest fuels of devotion. In fact, I believe that's why Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Jesus wasn't just calling us to an act, he was calling us to devotion. It's a complete devotion. And so having been filled with the Spirit, the disciples and the apostles partner with him in in four ways that we read here in Scripture. The first is devotion to the apostles' teaching. I'll say it this way today, devotion to Scripture. Devotion to Scripture is the foundation of the Christian life. Like I mentioned, my journey began following Christ by opening up my Bible and reading the words. In fact, I would encourage you, I love that that's the challenge for September to read your word every day. I had a really great opportunity uh, towards the end of 2019 to just spend some secluded time over a couple months with the Lord, doing nothing else but just seeking Him. And as I prepared for that moment, it was actually this Bible right here, and I remember I opened up my Bible, and now granted, this is, I know know you guys saw Sister Vanetta's Bible. This is mine, and it's like one-fourth of her size, okay? And so (laughs) she has more pages than me in hers, so it'll be different if you look at her Bible. But I opened my Bible, and there was about 1,200 pages in my Bible. And I said, well, shucks, if I read 20, I like math, and so I said, if I read 20 pages a day for 60 days, I'll read my whole Bible in two months. I'm going to give that one a shot. Let's do that. And I've read through the Bible before, but I had never read through it so quickly. And it was actually profound to me. I began this journey. I ended up finishing in 37 days because I was just focused on this pursuit of reading through God's Word. And it was profound to me the newness of what I saw through Scripture of the entire arc of God's story from the beginning to the end. I'd never seen it in such a way because I'd never read the fullness so quickly through it. I love the study that's about to happen with the women. I love that title. It's so cool. It made me think of that moment because I got to do that. And I just believe it's this foundation to the Christian life. And although Acts 2.42 says the, uh, the devoted to the apostles' teaching, yes, I believe, be a part of church. Hear what people are coming to share with you from pulpits and all these things. And we have so many resources online, but at the end of the day, it's really about you and Jesus in this. And so I believe that this is where it begins, devotion to Scripture. The second thought is devotion to the fellowship. Now, we've lived through a season where fellowship was a difficult thing, together with people. Uh, And we've all gone through there, and we're here today, and there's still uncertainty ahead of us. But what I do know is this, is that we have to be devoted to fellowship. We have to lean into connecting with people. That devotion to fellowship is is not an assertion of rights, it's an acceptance of responsibility. And let me unpack that for a moment. What it says in Acts chapter 2, as you continue on from verse 42, it says they had everything in common, that they were selling their possessions to make sure everybody didn't have any need. Let me put that in practical terms today, is that it means if someone has need, you have a need. 
That was the communal reality of their life. That as together as the believers, when this person needed a refrigerator, we need a refrigerator. (laughs) We're going to go find that. And this crazy thought that people were selling their own things to make sure other people were not without is so profound to me. And it's so beautiful, actually, to see how this works. That this fellowship together is not just an assertion of rights that we deserve or I deserve. Yet it's an acceptance of the responsibility to care for those around us. That's really the heart of koinonia, of fellowship, of togetherness, that we are here together for one another with the Lord. And he's in our midst, and it's beautiful. And we have to be devoted to the fellowship as the early disciples were. It's a characteristic of the devoted. Now, that doesn't always necessarily mean that you have to be at every Bible study and every event happening at the church. But it does mean that we are committed to community, whatever that looks like. Community was really difficult through the year 2020. We couldn't gather together the same way. And Zoom got fun. I have so many cool Zoom backgrounds on my computer through 2020. Um, I was all over the world when I was in Zoom meetings with people. It was a great time. Um, And we had to learn a different way to connect. But it didn't take away this heart that we care for the people around us. The devotion to the fellowship. The devotion to one another. We have to stay committed this way. And why would it matter? Because it mattered to Jesus. He chose to live his life with some folks. And there were more than the 12. I want to be clear here. There were more than the 12 around Jesus. He had the inner circle, the 12, the three within them. But there were a lot of people that were trying to be a part of the circle of Jesus. And they were gathered together. And even here, the early disciples, they continue that reality. They were gathered together in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. It says that they devoted themselves each day. They would go to the temple together. They would pray together. They would meet up with each other. They would break bread. They would have lunch together. They would do these things. Can I share with you something that rings true in my heart? Is that the church is the people. And you are the church. We are the church. And when the church gathers together, it is when the people of God gather together. And even if we were never able to open the doors of a building again, the church didn't close. Because we are the church, and we are here, and we are together. And I want to encourage you today that as we are the church, we must be devoted to these things, because Christ has called us to. And the early disciples showed us what it looks like. Thirdly, it says that they were devoted to the breaking of bread. This is not just sharing of meals. This is really an invitation towards communion. It's actually an anchoring in the cross. It's an anchoring in the resurrection. That this wasn't just always having some food together. Now granted, that's wonderful and I love it and we should do it. And in fact, I really believe, praise God, I heard that, I received that. I actually believe that, I believe that revival is possible in our nation today. But I wonder if revival might come more over kitchen tables and backyard barbecues than big tent meetings today. I wonder if the people of God choosing to be the church can bring life back to this lost world. And so the disciples, these apostles in this moment, they're devoted to the breaking of bread, to gathering together, having this. Yet you have to remember, this is very close after the moment that they sat around the table with Jesus and he broke bread and passed it to the disciples. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And we see the early disciples here doing that same thing, gathering around the table, breaking the bread, and having this remembrance moment together. 
And so the devoted are devoted to Scripture. There's devoted to the fellowship. They're devoted to the breaking of bread. And they're devoted to the prayers. This is an understanding of intercession. Not just moments of prayer personally that we have. I'll say this to you, is that after we have prayed, we can do other things. But until we have prayed, we can do nothing. And the reason I say that today is because Jesus said something similar to the disciples. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And if he truly is the Lord of my life, then it would be foolish of me to not first listen to him. Lord, what would you have me do? That prayer is not always just speaking to the Lord or just asking for things, supplication, that most of the time it's actually listening. It's creating a space where we can hear from the divine what he would have us do, the direction that he's giving us. There's also moments of intercession in prayer where we have to cry out in partnership with the work of God for his intervention in situations where we just can, do not know what in the world to do. And we have to plead to him to move because he has called us to intercede for those all around us. And we are committed to these moments. We want to pray together. We want to pray alone. We want to pray without ceasing. Paul uses that language many times. To pray without ceasing. Now, you might think, well, how could I do that? I got a job. I work 40 plus hours a week. Like, I can't just be walking around praying out loud all the time, right? Well, you could. Um, People might think you're weird. Um, But there's really this, you know, understanding that Paul is trying to show us in this. What he's sharing is it's not just about an action of prayer, but it's actually about the communion and relationship with the Spirit of God. That I pray without ceasing because there is an inner dialogue that exists that every moment, everywhere I go, I'm communing with the Spirit of God to say, what would you have me do? And this, I have a good missionary friend. And I'm just going to share this story with you because I love him. His name's Alan Graham, missionary to Zimbabwe from Ireland. He's a spunky Irishman, and I love this man. Um, But he's someone that would say every morning he stands before his closet and says, God, what shirt should I wear today? Now, that's an extreme reality. But can I tell you, I can't even count. The encounters that Alan Graham has had because of which shirt he wore that day are profound to me, (laughs) right? Like, because he wore this, a conversation sparks up with a person. Or this happens, or someone says, wow, that's a nice shirt. And, wow, let's have a conversation. And they're praying in a parking lot for these things. I don't know that the Lord always cares about the smallest of things, but he just might. Maybe he does. Have you asked him? That's really what devotion to prayer is about. It's devotion to communion with the Father through His Spirit that we can say, Lord, what would you have us do? In fact, Jesus modeled that for us in Gethsemane. You may recall it, the night that He was betrayed. He was in the garden, He was praying. He said, Lord, if it's possible, Father, if you can, take this cup from me. Let it pass from me. But not my will be done, yours be done. The way Darren Fisher's prayed that prayer many times is, Lord, I really don't want to do this, but I'm willing to do whatever you want me to. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. But that's also been a simple prayer sometimes, where I'm driving down the road and I go, should I go left or right? I remember a time as a youth pastor in Riverside, California. It was later in the evening, I was in my apartment, and and this is the weirdest story of my life. I'm probably just going to share it, because we're here and we're already started. So, um... I was sitting there that night, and I, and I felt the Spirit stir me to say, 
um, go to Jack in the Box and get some food. I might have been hungry, but, okay, <laughs> here's the thing. Genuinely heard the Lord say, go get some food, and I went and got the food, and I said, Lord, now what? And he said, go to downtown and drive on this street. And so I went downtown, Riverside, and I drove down this street, and I thought, what is about to happen and what is going on? And I have this food with me, and I drive down this street, and at this point, I'm thinking, clearly, I'm supposed to bring some food to somebody. Like, why else would this happen? And <clears throat> I had this food. I'm driving down the street. Not a soul to be seen anywhere that evening. It's a populous area of some homeless people. None of them were there. And I turned around and drove down the street again. And I turned around and I drove down it again. And I probably did six laps on that street. I said, Lord, you told me to come down here. Why am I down here? And I just kept driving on the street, waiting, waiting waiting. After about 20 minutes of that, the Lord said, you can go home and eat now. I still am unpacking this in my life, right, that the Lord did this. Now here's what I don't know. I don't know if there was someone that that food was meant for that was sleeping down another road somewhere and the Lord was trying to tell them, if you just go down there, I got it for you. And they were wrestling through that, saying, I don't feel like getting up. I don't want to walk down there. There's no way someone's going to bring me food. Like, wrestling with the voice inside. I don't know if the Lord was just trying to speak to me. I don't know any of those things. And in fact, I'm content with not knowing. Why? Because for me, obedience doesn't need to always know. I say, Lord, cool. I went and did that. And I ate the -the jack-in-the-box food that night (laughs) that I picked up. It was cool. (laughs) But I don't always know what the Lord is up to. I don't always see the big picture. I'm always, I'm a little zoomed in on right now, this life where we are. And you probably are too. But here's what I know, is that when the devoted choose to live this way, incredible things happen. It's evident that the early disciples understood it. We read the verses earlier, verses 44 to 47. It says that all those who believed were gathered together. They had everything in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, they attended the temple together. They broke bread in their homes. They received the food with glad hearts and praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. When the kingdom comes, all previous ways of understanding our lives are gone. All measures of success pass away. If one of us has need, we all have need. When the church gets it right, it becomes the hope of the world. The church is not the place we go, it's the people we are. People do not come to the church, the church goes to them. You say, Darren, how could you say that? Like, people come to church. Yes, I agree with you, we do come to church. But today, when we leave this place, the church is going to the people, wherever you go. Why? Because we are the church. We are the church. There's so much incredible reality through the rest of the book of Acts that you can look at. In Acts chapter 8, when the, the disciples are scattered, it says that those who were scattered continue to preach the gospel everywhere that they went. That has such, that's something you could dwell on a lot through this last year. But even today, I think of that. Today, we're going to go be scattered. <laughs> we're going to leave here. We're going to go different places. We're going to get on the road and go all the way back to Sacramento. I have no idea who we'll see today if we stop in Beatty, Nevada again at that one gas station place with all the snacks. Because that place was awesome. 
and we met the jerky lady. I don't even remember her name. I apologize, but she was selling the jerky over there, giving away free samples, and we got to go minister to this lady, and it was super great, and we got some good jerky out of it. It was wonderful. I have no idea what the Lord's going to do, but I know this, is that when we choose to be devoted, when we choose to walk with him, God will accomplish his purposes for this world, whatever they are. And I don't always know them. Sometimes that leads to driving up and down a road six times in the middle of the night. Sometimes it's going to lead to getting up at three in the morning and praying, and you don't even know why you're praying. (laughs) And you don't even know who you're praying for, but something is just stirring in you that I just got to do something. I just got to do something. Because God desires to meet his children in this world. The church, not the building, the people are the hope of the world. And so I want to encourage you today to keep seeking the kingdom. Stay devoted to scripture. Stay devoted to fellowship. Stay devoted to prayers. Stay devoted to the understanding of the crucifixion, resurrection, and return of Jesus. This is the repentant life. It's not complicated, but it sure can be difficult. It's the simplest, most difficult thing. James writes it this way. He says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. If you ask me, you said, Darren, there's this, here's the situation going on in my family. Here's the situation going on in my life. I pray every moment that, the, that I'm in those moments. I pray every time, Lord, what would you have me say? Yet I know this to be true, that if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. My marriage is struggling. Draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. We have sickness in our family, loved ones who are ill. Draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. Our hearts are broken for what's happening to Afghanistan. Draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. I don't know how to reach my children who are lost. Draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. I'm not doing really great in school and I need some help. Draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. It's the simplest, most difficult thing in all of creation, yet it's the most profound thing we could ever do is draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. We're without a pastor, and we're wondering when someone will come. Draw near to him, and he'll draw near to you. It's the greatest thing we could ever choose, yet it requires the repentant life. It requires a devotion that we have to choose. And that's my prayer for you today, that you would choose the repentant life, and you would choose the devoted life that says, Lord, we want to serve you. I want to serve you and give your life for him, whatever that means, and simply walk in obedience, and God will use you. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you so much for your sons and daughters in this room. And God, I thank you for your word that can be so potent to us sometimes, that can really get down to the core. And Lord, today I personally am so challenged by this message in my devotion to you. Lord, my devotion to the things that I know help me to draw near to you in the difficult times and even in the good. And so Lord, I pray today for my friends and my family that Lord, they would hear your voice. God, I pray for those in this room that have been carrying a burden. Lord, for those in this room that have maybe struggled to really turn away from some things. I pray, Lord, today that you would give them strength to repent. Give them strength to turn to you, even when it doesn't make sense. 
Lord, I pray for the needs represented in this room. Lord, you know them better than any of us ever could. And so, Father, I pray that you would intervene through your spirit in the, in the situations that need your intervention. Lord, we pray for those that need a healing touch in their life. We pray for those that are seeking after something to fulfill them. Lord, I pray that they would find you. Father, we pray for those that are desiring to be with you in a deeper and a more secure way, Father, that you would guide them. I pray for those that are lonely, that you would bring people around them in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray that your spirit would continue to meet people here at New Hope Overton and that it would go out throughout this town and throughout this valley, that it would be a beacon of light to those in this world. And Father, for those that are part of this family, I pray, God, that you would continue to hold them close to you, to let your light shine through them, that this world would be changed. So Father, speak to them, I pray. Lead them, I pray. Guide them, I pray. In Jesus' mighty, powerful name. Amen and amen.